Hey everybody, we'd like to welcome you to the Ewok Podcast. We hope your day's going good. This is the official podcast of the East Wilton Union Church located in Wilton, Maine. And today we're going to hear a message from Robbie Locke, our senior pastor. We hope that it's a blessing to your life and that God uses it to help you walk closer with him. And our prayer is that you would grow closer to him in truth and in love. Well, without further ado, here's Pastor Robbie. Turning your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. We are picking up this morning in verse 3. Paul has given a greeting to the Colossian church, and the purpose of that greeting was to recognize them as saints, as people who had been set apart to God, They were faithful brethren in the Lord Jesus, steadfast, unswerving believers in their faith. And uh, he wished for them the grace and the mercy of God, the grace and the peace of God, excuse me, as they were seeking to live the Christian life day by day. When we finished last time, we had moved on, verses 3 to 8, to the apostolic commendation. And as Brother Kern mentioned at the beginning of the service, Paul starts his letter, the main body of the letter, giving thanks to God, the Father, and giving thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ for these believers in Colossae. And we said last week, and let me just read the verses that we're going to study today, because we're just going to get down through uh, the first part of verse 5. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying, what's the next word? always for you. (laughs) Now that doesn't mean he prayed 24-7 for these believers. It means on a consistent, regular, ongoing basis, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. That's as far as we will get today. Um, We suggested that there are three things that Paul is thankful for. And we saw the first one. He's saying that he is praying, and I mentioned last week that it has to do with a definiteness or a directness in prayer. That when he comes to the Lord, he prays, knowing that he's praying in the will of God, and because he knows it's the will of God, he has absolute assurance, not only that he's talking face to face with God, but that God is hearing him and that he will respond to his prayers. And we talked last week that there are two situations we face in prayer. Sometimes we know the will of God and sometimes we don't. When we know the will of God, we can ask with absolute assurance because God has declared his position in the matter. But sometimes we don't know what the will of God is. And so we can pray what we hope the will of God is, what we think the will of God is, but we must then be prepared to leave the final results in the hands of God. Because he is all wise and he knows exactly what we need. But when we pray, we need to have confidence in our God, amen? Knowing that he's going to hear us and respond. So he's thankful for their faith. He said, we heard of your faith. He didn't see their faith. He had heard of it because their pastor, Epaphras, had brought a testimony to Paul of this church and of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I just want to talk to you for a moment about this word that is translated faith. He's thankful for their faith. The Greek word is the Greek word pistis, and it means to be persuaded. Here is the key word. To be persuaded that something is true. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the gospel is true? Are you absolutely persuaded that it's true and it's the only gospel that exists? Well, that's what Paul said of them. He said they were persuaded that something was true, and not only they per were persuaded, but then they actually trusted in what they believed was true. Sometimes we intellectually accept certain facts, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we act upon them in our lives. But he said of the Colossians that they not only were persuaded, they had come to trust in the Lord. Listen. Biblical faith, listen to me carefully now, biblical faith is not a leap of faith. Biblical faith is not a leap of faith. You know what a leap of faith is? It's the guy that looks out and all he sees is mist in front of him, but he jumps anyway. Someone says, there's a, there's a floor down there underneath that mist. A leap of faith doesn't see the floor and it jumps anyway. But we don't have to believe that way. We believe because we know the gospel is true. It is grounded in fact. It is grounded in evidence. Faith is far more than mere intellectual assent. There are a lot of people in this world today who would say, we believe Jesus lived, we believe that he died, we believe he rose again, we believe he's coming again, they believe all of those facts about him, and yet they're not saved. Because you can know the truth and not act upon the truth. It's like knowing that the medicine given to you by the doctor will heal your illness, believing in the medicine, but never taking it. That is intellectual faith. But our faith must be an active faith. And the faith of Colossians was an active faith. They said, not only do we believe that Jesus is the only Savior, that what he did is sufficient for our sins, but they cried out by faith to Jesus that he might save them from their sins. And so it is far more than mere intellectual assent. It involves obedience. Obedience to the gospel. And we were talking about this as we finished up last time. Pistis, this Greek word for faith, comes from the root word, pitho, which means literally, fundamentally, to obey. So what he's saying here is, I thank the Father for your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in obeying the Lord Jesus Christ, we're embracing what he did for ourselves and receiving it into our lives. The Colossians are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who had put their faith in the Lord of the gospel by obeying the message that he preached. Folks, the question becomes... It is so fundamental in our world today. Do you have a faith in Christ that is active? Or is it a 
passive faith that is only intellectual but never reaches your heart. Without believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you cannot be saved. And so it's important that you have an active faith today. Let's just pray before we continue on now with our study. Father, we are here because we need you today. We are here because we love you today. We are here because we want to hear from you today. And Lord, we want to be able to leave this place with a greater appreciation of who you are so that we might lift you up in a more faithful way, that we might be those saints and faithful brethren in East Wilton and in Wilton and in Farmington and in all the communities that we represent. Father, speak to us now through the scriptures. and We'll be careful to praise you for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, as we close last time, this was the final point that I made. True saving faith contains two elements. First of all, repentance, and secondly, obedience. And really, you must put these two together. You, you can't separate them because they're all part of the one thing, which is salvation. Repentance involves turning to God. Remember I said last week, if I'm going this direction and I'm walking away from God and I want to be saved, I can't keep walking this way because this is the wide road that leads to destruction. I must turn around and walk the other way, the narrow road that leads to life. And so repentance means I turn to God, but I first turn away from evil. And my purpose in turning to God is now to serve the living God. In 1 Thessalonians 1.8, he says, You turn to God from idols to serve the living God. That's why we get saved. We don't get saved to go to heaven. We get saved to walk with and to live with, for and to serve Almighty God until we get home to glory. And then, by the way, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, you'll only be in heaven for a while. Heaven's temporary, folks. If you've got the idea you're going to heaven forever, you're going to be disappointed. Because the Bible says, after the rapture of the church, seven years later, the church is coming back with Christ to rule and reign on the earth. You want to stay in heaven while Jesus is ruling on earth? No, he's going to bring us back. And at the end of the thousand years, Jesus is going to turn the kingdom over to his Father, the eternal reign on the new heavens and the new earth. And you and I are going to live on the earth with God and Christ and the Spirit forever. So you're not going to be in heaven forever. You're going to be on the new earth forever. Some of you are just looking at me like, is this guy a heretic or what's going on here? I thought I was going to heaven. Well, if you die today, you will. And up until the rapture, everyone that dies goes to heaven. And then those that are alive when he comes, they're going to be caught up together with the resurrected ones and we'll go to heaven. Seven years. That's it. Seven. So if the Lord comes today, you get seven years in heaven. That's it. When my daddy died, I remember one of the thoughts that came to my head is, it's not fair, daddy. You get to enjoy heaven a lot longer than I ever will. But you know what makes heaven? It's not the place. Heaven is where God is. 
And in that sense, the new earth is heaven, right? Because it's where God is and we will be with him forever. So when you get saved, you get saved to follow God in this life all the way to the end of this life and then forever. That's the gospel we must preach. That's the gospel we must believe and act upon. And so Paul is thankful for this faith, this obedience, this repentance they had expressed in God and the obedience to the gospel by putting their faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for eternal life. But he was also thankful for their love. Notice what it says in verse 4. Since we heard of your love for all the saints. It's interesting. He doesn't say, we heard about your great love for God. By the way, should we love God? Just go like this, you know, wake up there, right? I mean, we're supposed to love God. How much are we supposed to love God? With all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. That's how you love God. But it's an automatic, isn't it? You wouldn't get saved unless you had come to love God. And he says, listen... I've heard of your love for all the saints. And this reflects the very words of the Lord Jesus, John 13, 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples if. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is it what it says? No. He says, if you have love for one another. You want to know why? Because you guys are awful hard to love. Aren't you? And aren't I awful hard to love? Please don't be too specific about that. I mean, isn't it hard to love one another? Because, you know, we still have the old sinful nature, right? We still have our tendencies. Anyone ever get offended by anything? Or do you never get offended anymore? Do you ever have Christians upset you? I want to tell you, you know what's the difference between people who are Christians and people around the world? We should be and I say it in a, you know, just think for a minute, but we ought to be madly in love with one another. We really ought to be. We should look at one another and say, I cannot wait until the Lord's day because I get to see my brethren. Yes, we come to worship God, and He's the priority. He's number one. But folks, we come here for one another as well. And that's why, as pastor, I'm sad when somebody doesn't come. I never look at the book where they write down how many people are here. I never look at it. You want to know why? Because it isn't the number that's important. It's the people that are important. And if you miss, I'm sad because I'm thinking, are they ill? That's my first thought. Well, maybe they're sick. Well, you know, I feel bad about that. I want to, you know, pray for them, help them. I want to know. Or maybe you're away and maybe it's vacation time and I want to pray that the Lord will protect you as you're away or whatever's going on. And, and, and whatever is happening in your life, the pastor is responsible for God before God to shepherd the flock of God. So I ought to care about you. And so I ought to love you. But you ought to love one another. And it should be one of the motivations for coming together with the people of God. 
I've read this. This is not mine. This is not original. This was in a commentary. And this just struck me. Faith in Christ purges us of our selfishness and our affinity for sinners and gives us a new attraction to the people of God. Think about that for just a moment. It doesn't mean that we don't like our friends, and you know, that, that we, we don't love them the same. Our family, if they don't know the Lord, we love them still. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's something special about the relationship that I have with other Christians. And so no matter where I go in the world, and I've had the privilege of ministering in many countries around the world, preaching the gospel, literally getting on a bus in the middle of Paraguay, having no idea exactly where I was getting off and hoping someone would tell me when the right time came and getting on a bus that's like an old school bus and going like 10 hours across the country in that school bus and getting to finally a little town, getting off the bus and if nobody was there to meet me, I didn't know where to go or what to do. And I remember this one time in Paraguay specifically, I got to the town and there was a mix-up on what bus that I had gone on and I sat in the park for four hours waiting for somebody to come. They thought I was coming later and I had come earlier. And when that pastor walked up to me and said, are you Brother Rob? He said, oh brother, I'm awful glad to see you. And I had wonderful fellowship in that that time I was there for an evangelistic crusade and we saw a bunch of people come to know Christ there in that next five or six days together but being with those Christians was such a joy such a blessing there is a love that we have for the people of God that is different than the love we have for people who don't know the Lord and Jesus said listen we know or John writes, the Apostle John, he says, we know that we have passed from death to life. What does that mean? We know we're saved. We've left spiritual death and come into spiritual life. How do we know? I prayed a prayer. Is that what it says? He said, we know we passed from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. And then Paul makes, I mean, John makes one of his very from-the-shoulder statements. One of those black and white statements, right? He who does not love his brother abides in death. He said, don't you tell me you're saved if you don't love your fellow Christians. But I just thought, you know, when you get the love of Christ in you, you're less selfish. Because the love of Christ in you and manifested through you is a love that sacrifices for others. See, see, you're less selfish. And while you want to reach sinners for the Lord, boy, there's an awful attraction to the people of God. You'd better get attracted if you haven't yet because you're going to live together forever. Right? And so we need to appreciate one another in the Lord. It's interesting to me that he talks about loving all the saints. You know, not every church in the New Testament was like that. There were certain churches that had divisions amongst them. Cliques. Have you ever been in a church that had cliques? Some people sit together and talk together and they're the only people they ever talk to. 
you know what? We need to make the rounds on a Sunday. You need to try. Now, when we get up to 1,000 in Sunday morning service, I'll let you off the hook. But as long as we're this size, you need to make your way around, and you don't shake hands these days, but from six feet away, you need to say hi to your brothers and sisters. You need to do that. It's very important. It is awful when someone comes into church and says, I came in and I went out and no one even spoke to me. You say, does that happen? It absolutely does. I have had people in this community who I have visited who used to attend the church before I ever came here and no longer attend this church and they don't go to church anywhere and I can tell you that at least five of those homes have said to me, we left the East Wilton Union Church and no one ever came looking for us. So it's up to them to come. It's not up to us to go looking at... Who says it's up to them? It's up to us. When you see a brother or sister that is not here, and by the way, right now, we have several folks that are not here. And they're not here for reasons, legitimate reasons. They're at home because of the coronavirus and don't feel that they should come yet. Folks, listen, they need to know they're still a part of us. And they'll only know that if you and I let them know that. Give them a call. You can talk on the phone. Write a note of encouragement. Support one another. We need to do this. We should not be a church with cliques. We should not be a church with division and strife like the Corinthians were, who said, I am of Paul. Oh, no, I am of Apollos. No, no, I'm of Cephas, Peter. No, 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 I'm of Jesus. How spiritual. And I say that because we ought to all be of Jesus. We ought to be on his team, amen. But the point is, they were trying to say, I'm more spiritual than you. You may be following Peter, and he's a good guy, but I only follow Jesus. When you do that with pride in your heart, I want you to know that's not pleasing to God. But the Colossians were not like that. They loved all the saints. True biblical love is so much more than a mere emotion. Sometimes my emotions toward people are not positive. How about you? If my love was only emotional, that might be a good reason why I walk around with a pout on my face. Because sometimes it's hard to love people. And it's not that I shouldn't. I need to make that effort and so on because true love sacrifices for the benefit of someone else whether they deserve it or not, right? Notice the phrase, it's not just emotion, it's sacrificial service to others because they have a need, not me. I don't love you so I can feel good about me. I should love you because I want you to feel good about yourself and your relationship with the Lord. I ought to be wanting to build into your life. We show godly love to someone when we sacrifice ourselves to meet that person's needs. No one should leave this service today without a word of encouragement from somebody. Do you believe that? 
two of you nodded your head and the rest just looking straight ahead. How many would like to receive a word of encouragement today? Okay, I got about a 30 of that time. That's pretty good. I think we all like it when someone encourages us. We do. Folks, someone's waiting on you. And they may not know it's going to be you. But there are people who come to church and are hoping somebody will notice. He says, you love the saints. You sacrifice yourselves for them because you come here looking to meet their needs, not your own. We live in a society today where church for many people is a commodity. I come to church for what I can get, for me and mine. And if it doesn't serve me and mine, I'm out of here. And the church ought to be a place where you come to give and to give and to give. And when you walk out the door, you hope along the way someone came along and gave a little bit to you too. And between us all, we go out encouraged in the Lord. That's what church is to be about. This is how they loved one another. Sacrificial service. Not just emotion. Sacrificial service. Now, the third thing that he was thankful for was for their hope. Because of the hope which is laid up for you where? Anyone looking forward to going to heaven, even if it's temporary? Honestly, I I can't wait to see Christ. Whether it's in the rapture, you know... I often teach people and say, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wave on the way up. Hey, here we go. Woo-hoo. That'll be great. But I want to tell you something, folks. The thing I really want to see, it's like that, that song says, you know, I, in this, in, it's a gospel, a southern gospel song, and it says, you know, you know, I saw Timothy, and I saw Abraham, and, and I saw this one, and I saw that one. He says, then the song says, but I want to see Jesus. That's who I want to see. I'll get to Abraham someday. I got a few billion years. I can get to him, but boy, I don't want to wait on Jesus. I, I look forward to heaven. I really do. It's my hope. That's why I'm not afraid to die today. I'm really not. I think through my life there have been times I've been more concerned about, you know, how I'll die, you know, what the circumstances will be and so on. But you know what? You know what? I have sat by the beds of people in the last moments of their life that were going through unimaginable suffering. And they had a smile on their face. Because they looked at me and said, Oh, Pastor, soon I'll see Jesus. That's our hope. It doesn't end in East Wilton. Thank the Lord. Oh, we got a little store in a post office. I trade that for glory. 
But notice what it says. He says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. That means literally, it's held in store. It's reserved for you. It is the rich inheritance of heaven. Look at this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a living hope. We've been born again, and now because we are alive in Christ, we have a hope that is alive. And it's a hope that's alive because it's based in, it's founded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he lives, we will live also. He says, we have been born again to this living hope, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. That means that what God is preserving for us in heaven isn't wearing out. It isn't corrupting. It is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by what? By the power of God. I said this once before. God keeps the inheritance for us and he keeps us for the inheritance. He's going to make sure that those two things come together one day. And when we get to heaven, I have no idea what it's going to be like, and neither do you. Right? Do you know what you're going to do each day? No, because there won't be days. Right? We're back in eternity then. Everything we do, we do based upon time, right? I mean, look at the clock. We got 15 minutes and then we're out of here. Woohoo, right? No, but don't we do everything based on time? That, that's gone in heaven. That's why when we come to the end of an hour, and there won't be hours, but when we come to the end of an hour, we're going to be saying, man, it's time to home, you know, get some lunch and then get my nap for the afternoon. Won't need a nap. I hope we'll have lunch, though. Oh, we'll just leave that there. But folks, think about this. Think about it. Heaven lies ahead of us, and God is reserving the inheritance for us, and he's keeping us by his power for the inheritance, and one day we're going to receive it. It's the rich inheritance of heaven, but it's a rich inheritance in heaven. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated. Do you know what predestinated means in part? To predetermine a destination. When God chose you and put your name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the very world, he predetermined your final destination that would be with him and you would be not only with him, you would be like him forever. 
Now, if that doesn't tickle your fancy, I don't know how to tickle you. And we are predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his world. He has revealed that purpose and that purpose is to make us like Christ. That we who first trusted in Christ should be what? Eternally to the praise of his glory. Every time someone looks at you in heaven, they're going to say, wow, is God's grace ever big. Kevin made it? Woo! I'm just teasing. But do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's not a one of us that'll deserve to be there. And that's why in heaven, sins don't follow you. He doesn't deal with those got all dealt with at the cross. So when you get to glory, all there is is that which glorifies God. And you'll praise Him forever. Now, what that means, I don't know. If we're on the new earth, I kind of have a feeling it might be like Eden was in the beginning, and we may have to till the ground and work and do all kinds of things like they were originally intended to do when God made Eden and put Adam and Eve there. Why would he bring us back to an earth, a material earth, if he wasn't going to have us enjoy it? You might even be able to have a motorcycle, royal. And it won't be bad then because you'll be perfect. You won't get it out of hand. See, Royal always tells us he loves motorcycles, but motorcycles had him at one point, right? Kind of in control. So he doesn't have a motorcycle anymore. Maybe in glory you'll get a motorcycle, brother, and it'll be great. I don't know. Neither do you. But I think the Lord's giving us an earth for a reason. That's why I think animals are going to be there. He put them on the first time. Why wouldn't he put them on again? Now, I can't promise you it'll be your pets. Some people want me to say that. Oh, my dog Spot, he's going to be in glory with me forever. No, he probably, well, sorry. He talks about the, you know, the, the, the spirit of an animal going into the ground, and the idea is they just die, and that's, I mean, that's what the Bible seems to teach. But I can't be dogmatic, no pun intended. But what I do believe is there will be animals there. We're going to enjoy them. I think we're going to serve the Lord in very specific, practical ways. And we're going to enjoy every single moment. Won't it be great to work for God and never get tired? To work for God and never wear out? That's what we have ahead. That's our hope, folks. And that ought to excite us. I put this down in my notes. One result of our hope is the willingness to sacrifice the present on the altar of the future. To sacrifice the present on the altar of the future. In other words, I'm willing to go without now, to sacrifice now, to give now, knowing that what lies ahead is so much better than anything I could have experienced here, even at its best. 
Paul put it this way in Romans 8.18. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Faith, love, and hope are a great triad of Christian virtues. They appear together in the scriptures often. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide what? Faith? You see, you can't have the others without faith. Without faith, you have no hope. Without faith and true conversion, you can never love. So faith comes first, but these abide. They remain. Faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. That is God's love down to us. That is our love back to God. That is our love for one another. And that is our love for a lost world. Faith, hope, and love. A great triad. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Love for the brethren who are a part of the same family. And hope for a future in heaven with the Lord. Now, I want to tell you, when I think about this, it shocks me to imagine that the world out there, if I had just preached this, what I have preached to you, to every soul who lives on earth in their language, and they heard this message, what shocks me is to think the vast majority of them, despite the greatness and all that is to do with this amazing message of the gospel, they would say, no thanks. No, because you know what? Yeah, it may be good in the end, but it costs me too much now. And we who know Christ say it doesn't matter what it costs me now because I know in the end it's going to be just amazing. Do these virtues affect the way you live your life today? Do they affect the focus of your life? Each day do you say, to me... To live is Christ. You know, I hope someday if I'm in a nursing home, and I probably will be, I hope that someday when I get to the nursing home, I'll still be saying every morning when I get out of bed, for to me, to live is Christ. I thought about that a lot. You know, I have a son who's got a big family and he's in ministry and you never know where they're going to be. And when, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm not going to be, you know, chasing my son around the world wherever he ends up. I, most people don't do that, right? With their kids, they move away and they visit. And that's the way my life will be with my son. My daughter has her own life and I don't, you know, we, we see each other a bit, but we're not, you know, we don't live close to each other. We certainly don't live together. That would definitely not work. I don't know. <laughs> not, 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 you know, no. Okay. And sorry, Jody, if you listen to this, uh, but, and, and I think she would say the same. So I kind of figured like, you know, at a certain point, I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. I'll probably be in a nursing home. And, and I was, I was feeling sad about that one day. I said to myself, oh, poor me, I'm going to end up in a nursing home someday, probably. And then the Lord just, I don't know, it just the thought came to my head. I just felt like the Holy Spirit put the thought in my head. And he just said to me, Robbie, that's your last mission field. 
you know how many old folks live in nursing homes and don't have a single person ever come near them? Wanda visits a couple of nursing homes in the Machias area. And there are people that she goes in right now, she goes in a couple of days a week, sometimes three, and spends most of the day just going door to door and talking to people because she's the only person they ever see except for the nurses. She's been able to talk to these dear old ladies, mostly the ladies that she spends her times with, but these dear old ladies who didn't know the Lord and she's been able to share the Lord Jesus with them. And she found a few that knew the Lord already. In fact, some people we knew years ago were in this nursing home where now she goes to visit. They attended the Woodland Baptist Church and, and uh, she found out and realized who this person was. And, she always, and you know what? She says, what an amazing difference when you see their attitude in the nursing home to someone in the nursing home that doesn't know the Lord. She says, she just, every day is just joyful. Joyful. Why? You know what? You can live in a nursing home and be joyful. If for you, the focus of your life is, to me, to live, is Christ. Your priorities. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I'm spiritually dead together with Christ, but now I am both physically alive and I am now spiritually alive. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live by faith I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me he's saying you know what my life is all about Jesus my priorities are Jesus priorities and our anticipation to die is gain I really pray that, and I don't expect this to happen, but if someday you come by the parsonage and you find me dead in the middle of the living room on the floor, don't scream and holler and, oh, 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 no. Just say this for me, would you say, Pastor finally got what he wanted. Because I'll be with Jesus looking down on you and say, what in the world is wrong with you people? I am never, have never been happier in my whole life. Right? Well, there's salvation and it's fruit. And I had ten more points. You want me to go for it? No, I probably would do that. I did, by the way, I did. No, eight. It's eight more points. But they were simple statements that I was going to go through with a verse each, and I don't have time to do that. So I'm going to stop now. But we're going to move on to the next section. Leave here thinking about faith, love, and hope. And when we come back next time, we're going to do, talk about the gospel and our responsibility to it. Because that's what he talks about next. He will introduce the theme of the gospel and we're going to start by going to eight passages of scripture that tell us how you and I are to respond to the gospel.
Then we'll come back to Colossians and move on and talk about the gospel in the context of this book. All right? That's where we're headed. Come back again, please. Appreciate that. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Scriptures today. And Lord, we, we have every reason to rejoice. Thank you for the day we placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We turned from our sin. We turned to God to serve the living God. We believe that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Not just to die and rise, but he did it to deal with our sin problem. And through faith in him, Lord, our faith has become love. Love for you. But particularly, love for one another. For when we truly love, we will not be thinking about ourselves. We'll be thinking about our other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, the thing that will keep us going, because some of those days may get discouraging. Some of those days when we try to love, we may not be loved in return. Some of those days we loved, we may just be even rejected. Even by a fellow believer. But Lord, what will keep us moving forward, what will keep us being faithful is our hope. For we know that the sufferings of this present time do not begin to compare to the glory that shall be revealed in us in eternity. So Lord, help my brethren to go out today thinking about faith, love, and hope. We'll praise you for Jesus' sake. Amen. And this has been the Ewok Podcast with Pastor Robbie Locke. We hope it's been challenging and exuberating and uplifting in your life as it has mine. We hope it helps you walk closer with God and understand Him better and the truth He's laid out for us in His Word. If you've really enjoyed this sermon or it's had a great impact upon your life, leave us an email or go to our Facebook page or our website And just leave a comment that we might know exactly how it's impacted you. It's very uplifting for us to see those things, for it helps us to push forward to continue doing these. Well, that's all I got for time. Until next week, God bless.